Hey there, STEM enthusiasts! Welcome back to Cameron's Lab, Dive In, the go-to podcast for STEM students. Craft it with passion by one of your own. I'm Cameron, your enthusiastic and ever-curious host. Buckle up for today's insightful episode. Ready to dive in? Hi there! Thank you for listening in. Before we get started, I just wanted to quickly announce that today's episode will be my last for 2023. As you know, I'm currently studying biomedical engineering and final exam season is upon me. So I'll be taking a break until early January. But don't worry, I'll be back with more interviews and exciting learning episodes. So Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and I'll see you in 2024. It's a little bit late, but the week before last, I had the chance to attend the invite-only Disrupt Health Tech Conference. It was hosted by a Founders Forum group and chaired by Dr. Jack Kreinler. Just as a quick plug, if you haven't already heard my interview with Dr. Jack, be sure to check it out. He gave a lot of insight into the medtech industry and the importance of health for founders and one of the world's least talked about extreme environments, startups. Okay, plug over. The Disrupt Health Tech Conference brought together some of the world's top medtech entrepreneurs, doctors, policymakers, and scientists. As a biomedical engineering student and an aspiring surgeon and robotics engineer, this was a dream event. I would just like to say thank you to Disrupt Health Tech, Dr. Jack Kreinler, and all the team for hosting me and also for having me there. I really enjoyed it. Today, I just wanted to give a quick summary of my insights into the various seminars I was able to attend. I took plenty of notes, so let's dive right in. Starting off with the Beyond the Body segment, it was right up my alley. All about wearables, robotics, and augmented reality. Oh, it was great. The first panel was titled Translating Technology into Transformation. It was chaired by Dr. Stephanie Cuckoo of the King's Fund. As you know, technology is constantly evolving. Things are getting more convenient, and innovation is supposedly at an all-time high. But how do we innovate in low-tech or low-income environments? One of the points at the talk considered the NHS as a low-income environment, despite being in a medium-to-high-income country. Quickly, for anyone who doesn't know what the NHS is, it stands for the National Health Service, and it is the publicly funded healthcare system here in the UK. The NHS is low on funds. It needs to save money where it can. But how does it do that? The speakers urge that we look at the hospitals in low-income countries and how they innovate. As an example, the hospitals in Vietnam are swamped. Plenty of great doctors, but they're just overwhelmed by the number of patients. This pressure leads to innovation being less of a luxury and more of a necessity. We have to consider the core function of the technology. Why have a piece of equipment that is overly fancy when it could be simple and just get the job done? Now, I'm not a doctor myself yet, but the speaker said that clinicians tend to like equipment that is more exciting to use, and who can blame them, really? However, they also mentioned that such equipment is not always in the patient's best interest or the best interest of the stretched healthcare budgets. So let's talk about frugal healthcare innovations. Frugal innovation is when you use existing resources to offer low-cost medical goods and services. There's a great article from CNN that calls frugal innovation the holy grail for the Indian health sector. The COVID-19 pandemic 
was a wake-up call for the healthcare infrastructure in India, like it should have been for all the other countries as well, I might add. Similar to Vietnam, the example I gave before, doctors in India are expected to provide optimal medical practice with low budget and a lack of access to top equipment. A great example of frugal innovation, given by the article, is the creation of the Jaipur foot, a low-cost prosthetic limb created by Dr. P.K. Sesi for amputees. Again, innovations were from a necessity instead of a luxury. All right, back to the conference. One of the barriers the speakers mentioned is the ability to get permission. It can be hard for new healthcare startups to get permission to use their products in a clinical setting, even though, oftentimes, their products are based on invaluable experience and are usually low cost. But how do we get permission when there are so many barriers and hoops to jump through? New health startups with creative solutions struggle to get clinical permissions, even when their ideas are patient-centered and budget-friendly. Yet, many innovations happen more easily in less regulated environments like India. Other countries like India have a lower policy barrier so that improvisation can occur in clinical settings. A great quote from one of the speakers was that we need to innovate how we innovate. There's no reason that the people who want to make a difference in the healthcare system should have so many obstacles, especially if their solutions are so simple, easy to use, and beneficial to the patient. Now, that's not to say that they shouldn't be put through the proper testing channels. I just think that we need to be more open to investigating their approach. It's almost a catch-22 situation. The difficulty of getting novel ideas and products tested makes the pathway to approval much harder. As I mentioned, the NHS is currently stretched thin budget-wise. Solutions like the Jaipur foot and other frugal health tech innovation could be beneficial to them. It's important that we build the structures to support this. I personally would be curious to hear examples of places that are getting this balance right and if any models are transferable to the UK health system. But clearly, there are cultural and systemic changes that need to be enabled in order to harness frugal innovation on both the supply and demand sides. The crisis moments when necessity forces innovation also tend to reveal where these breakdowns exist. Hopefully, the speaker's insights can give... Hopefully, the speaker's insights can help spark thoughtful discourse on fixing them. Continuing with the Beyond the Body panel, I had the opportunity to engage with some groundbreaking discussions. One of them was led by Thames and Lewis, focusing on the future of surgical training. She was amazing, by the way. She had hurt her nose and still came in despite the pain that she was probably in. Okay. The current method, known as see one, do one, teach one, of teaching surgery, is rapidly becoming outdated in our fast-paced medical world. Richard Vincent of Fundamental VR brought an insightful perspective on this, emphasizing the need for virtualizing surgical training with haptic feedback. This approach isn't just about technological advancement. It's about democratizing high-quality training and making it more accessible and efficient. Can you imagine practicing surgery in a virtual environment and getting feedback like you're actually doing it? Some companies, you could even do that at home. Companies like Fundamental VR are making it a reality. This is amazing. I know, I'm, I'm personally really excited. At Roboto, a Paris-headquartered company, they are revolutionizing neurosurgery with the world's first micro-robot that's meant to go in your brain. So, 
if I haven't already blown your mind, let me give you some context. Right now, when a surgeon wants to investigate a tumor, for example, they have to insert a needle into it. Unfortunately, this only provides a one-dimensional view. If the tumor was to spread, more holes would be needed to get the full picture. Well now, with this micro-robot, the limitations of traditional brain exploration methods, which are often requiring multiple invasive procedures, are addressed. Robotos micro-robot can collect real-time, three-dimensional data, providing unprecedented views of the brain. It's not just a technological leap, it's writing the blueprint for a new landscape in neurosurgery. They are basically writing the blueprint for brain exploration, and I think that's amazing. An unexpected yet captivating showcase was Music as Medicine by Rosie Chen. She is a classically trained musician who uses music and sound as therapeutic tools, creating what she calls sonic apothecary. She even demonstrated this live for us by playing two pieces that, can I just say, she made them up on the spot and that was just amazing to me. Sorry. So one was to calm us down and the other one was to energize us after a long day of listening to talks. It was a truly immersive and enlightening experience, showing how music can be more than art. It can be medicine. If anyone is interested in hearing her music, she is actually available on Apple and Spotify. The conference also delved into the crucial topic of thriving in extreme environments, focusing on founders' health and performance. Again, if you remember my episode with Dr. Jack Kreinler, he spoke about this as well. So this panel addressed the serious issue of burnout, especially prevalent in high-pressure environments like startups. Really quickly, for those that may not know, burnout is a, com- a state of complete mental, physical, and emotional exhaustion. The discussion highlighted a campaign like Ask a Doctor by Hava Slinks, which challenges our perception of doctors' experiences with burnout. If you haven't seen it already, I would highly recommend that you look it up. Actually, I'll, I'll just link it below for you. The video starts off with normal questions that you would ask your doctor. How do I deal with aches and pains? How do I deal with nausea or new medication? It then goes into more serious, heartbreaking questions that only a doctor would experience, such as, how do you live with the fact that you miss something? New ways to cope with PTSD and how to survive while working a 60-hour work week. I'm not a doctor myself yet, but looking around the room at the healthcare professionals surrounding me, I could tell that it really resonated with them. A key takeaway was the importance of self-care for entrepreneurs, or as well-founded advises, putting on your own oxygen mask first. Many entrepreneurs experience waves of success and failures. It can be like turbulence on an airplane, but much more serious. What is the personal cost of being a founder? What are your releases? Would you prefer something generic, like sleep or good food? Or do you keep working to relax? One jarring quote, forgive me, I'm not sure who said it, but they said, how funny is it that I may kill myself while trying to save others? The irony of this was clearly not lost on the other founders in the room. As I get more of a sneak peek into the lives of entrepreneurs and professionals in the careers I want to pursue, health is a common topic. It seems that everyone has had experience of either having to slow down or having their body do it for them. I would like to take a moment to urge you to find something that helps you to unwind during your climb, even if just for a moment. The conversation also explored leadership styles, 
emphasizing the need for compassion and understanding the human aspects of team management. It's not just about occasional perks like yoga and pizza parties, but understanding the holistic well-being of the team. In fact, one panelist was very against the pizza parties. One striking analogy compared entrepreneurs to high-performing athletes, where bad leadership and under-recovery can lead to burnout and diminish performance. If you imagine that an athlete had to skip practice a few times, maybe there were problems at home, too many deadlines for university or something else. When they get back to practice, their coach's immediate response is to push them harder as a tra- at training as punishment. This leads to under-recovery syndrome and creates the waves of success and failure that I mentioned before. We need to start thinking about how we can run our team in a way that keeps them happy and productive with something more meaningful than a pizza party or just some yoga. A great quote by Greg White was, good leaders collaborate. And that's something I hope to incorporate into my own leadership style. Finally, the panel addressed the evolving landscape of hybrid working. It's not about the number of days in the office, but about trust and collaboration. Hybrid working allows people to add a bit more humanity into their working life. For example, a child on your lap during a team's meeting, the cup of tea that you brewed in your favorite mug. All of this adds to the positive feelings around work and makes it feel possible to have a good work-life balance. The elite athlete perspective was particularly enlightening, suggesting that all 24 hours of the day contribute to performance and well-being. After the eight-hour workday, the 16 hours that you spend, you know, traveling home, relaxing, getting something to eat, all of that contributes to your working day too. The discussion rounded off with insights into how we reward success, whether it's in sports or business, and the need for a more humane and balanced approach. As I reflect on these discussions, I'm struck by the incredible breadth and depth of innovation and thought leadership in the health tech space. It's clear that whether we're talking about advanced surgical tools, the therapeutic power of music, or the well-being of entrepreneurs, there's a profound shift underway in how we approach health and technology. That wraps up my summary at the, of the Disrupt Health Tech Conference. I hope you found these insights as fascinating as I did. Remember, this is my last episode for 2023, but I'll be back in January with more exciting content. Until then, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and here's to a future where health and technology continue to intersect in incredible ways. See you in 2024. Hi again, awesome listener. That wraps up another deep dive of Cameron's Lab Dive In. Before you dive back into your day, see what I did there? Take a second to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Want a behind the scenes look? Bonus content? Or just some good old STEM fun? Follow me on my socials, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Cameron's Lab. And remember, every episode is a new adventure, and we've got some thrilling dives lined up for you. Don't miss out! Until next time, stay curious and keep exploring.